Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for this morning is from Luke 3. It's on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We begin a new worship series today. Holy, holy, holy. And we will get to all three spellings during this series. It's the season of Epiphany, the weird little time between Christmas and Lent where we look for the most holy one in the most mundane of things, in rivers, in doves, in voices, in clouds, in hands that lure us into the water. No matter how scared or jaded we are, Epiphany calls us to stand in the ordinary, and cling to the possibility of surprise. Now, if you're feeling like you have a little whiplash from moving so quickly from baby Jesus to baptized Jesus, you're not alone. Epiphany begins with the Magi visiting toddler Jesus, bringing impractical gifts fit for a king after seeing a magnificent star in the sky. And then, in a matter of, few, of a few days, we fast forward to the beginning of Jesus' short ministry as we propel toward Lent. You might still have your Christmas tree up or be snacking on leftover Christmas chocolate. If you're like me, you'll be finding ornament glitter and gift bows all over the house for a little while more. But there's no time to waste an epiphany, the season of revealing. The Holy Child, conceived by the Holy Spirit, celebrated by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, and feared by King Herod, grows up and treks into the same muddy water as we do, standing in line at the river waiting to be baptized. The opening verses of today's text may seem familiar to you. Nicole read them just a few weeks ago in between verses of Johnny Cash's song, God's Gonna Cut You Down. On the third Sunday of Advent, we read about the winnowing fork and the refining fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit prophesied about by John the baptizer. He's coming, John shouts, and all that keeps you from deep-rooted, wholehearted, light-footed living will be burned away so that you can become more like the one who is coming. And so we held our breath in anticipation 
for sweet baby Jesus, who would hold so much promise for the world. And our text today ends with the word that Jesus has been baptized. In the Gospel of Luke, the baptism takes place offstage. We only hear that he was in line with everyone else, and he got baptized. Other Gospels and Christian tradition tell us that it was John who baptized Jesus. But that does not seem to be the case in Luke's telling. You see, the way the lectionary has sliced up this text leaves out a very important piece of information between the winnowing fork and the river of baptism. Cousin John has been imprisoned. Now, we know that John is not one for tact, so it should come as no surprise that he called Herod out for his evil deeds, and Herod put him in prison. So in the narrative of Luke, that means John's ministry is finished, and Jesus' ministry begins here at the river. So then, who baptizes Jesus in this telling? Well, it doesn't really matter, according to Luke. What matters is that the heavens open up. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and calls Jesus who he is, God's beloved Son, the one with whom God is well pleased. Now Luke will go on to give Jesus' genealogy, a list of people, some merely imperfect humans trying their best, and some with truly appalling behavior for being the forebears of God's Son. So that Jesus' baptism is sandwiched between John's imprisonment and his marred lineage, as if Luke is trying to show that Jesus is aligned with God's desire for the world and also unable to escape the tragic structure of the world. And of course, we know from the holy season that is to come that Jesus will indeed be a casualty of the powers and principalities of this world. But though the details of who baptized Jesus seem irrelevant to Luke, it should never cease to amaze us that Jesus was baptized at all. Emily already spoiled this for us. I could just leave, actually. She's... Because John the baptizer frames the baptism as one of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And Jesus, the one who God calls my child, the beloved, gets in line with the rest of us. The text literally says, Jesus also, which is a really beautiful line. Jesus also being baptized is an expression of astonishing humility and solidarity. It is truly Emmanuel, God with us, even to the point of the rite of repentance and renewal. And this baptism calls us to radical solidarity, not because we are perfect, but because we are always and already God's beloved. God's nature is to call us into the same belovedness, which is one of the many promises of baptism. A reflection on Jesus' baptism is always an invitation to reflect on our own. If you chose your baptism, perhaps you remember the day, whether or not you wore a white robe or got dunked in the creek at camp, what the preacher said or what hymn everybody sang afterward. Maybe you remember the rush of water on your face or the sting of cold air coming out of the water. Or if you were baptized as a baby, 
Perhaps you have pictures from that day or stories of how you cried or spit up on the preacher or slept through the whole thing. I was baptized when I was eight years old. I grew up Southern Baptist, and I remember looking at my mom with tears in my eyes on a Sunday night during an altar call, knowing it was time to go down the aisle. I don't really remember that much about the baptism itself, except that the lights were very bright and the water was very cold. But I also remember the incredible sincerity of the moment. There was no way that I understood the fullness of baptism at that time in my life or what my Christian life would look like. I could not have predicted how my understanding of God, of the church, of baptism itself would change over the years. I prayed a prayer. I was compelled by the many verses of just as I am and probably a little scared of the H-E double hockey sticks my preacher went on and on about. (laughs) But I also loved God, and that has remained true, even as the shape of God grew and evolved in my heart. Today, as a seminary graduate and ordained minister who has spent a lot of time thinking about baptism in the abstract, I can wax poetic about this sacrament for hours. It's a means of grace. It's a mystery. It's an initiation into a community that transcends time and space. It's a promise that God and humans make to one another, though God is the one who makes baptism effective. Water is a generative symbol, and the baptismal waters represent creation waters, birth waters, etc. I won't keep you here for hours. But none of that replaces the earnestness the pureness of the particularity of one person's baptism, the moment when the water washes over someone who has said yes to Jesus. I realize that not all of us have memories of sincerity and autonomy when it comes to baptism. Some of us may have been pressured into it or forced into it. Some of us got baptized because all our friends were doing it. Some of us don't remember anything about it. Some of us may have had a little sprinkle in a tradition that we no longer identify with. But the beautiful thing about baptism in the abstract is that the water is deep. We do not simply dip our toes in or play in the mud. Baptism requires us to take a deep breath and plunge our whole selves into the water over and over again. For our baptism, though a memory, is not a singular moment in time, frozen in that memory, but rather it's a spiraling model that we are caught up in that crosses into our lives over and over at different levels and in different moments, calling us to the promise of, to the promise of God, reminding us that we are God's children, loved and treasured. And we are not alone, because we are all in line together. And Jesus also is in line with us, in the same waters of belovedness. So that what is revealed on this first Sunday of Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord, is that we hold these two truths together. That what matters most in our baptism is the presence of Jesus, and also We matter infinitely to God, who calls us beloved.
Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.